Hoffaday, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. It's Friday, April 21st, 3.04 p.m. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. So glad to have you with us on this breezy, partly sunny afternoon. It's about uh, upper 80s outside right now. Wind from the northeast. The steady 10 mile per hour, maybe 12 mile per hour gusts. Maybe you're driving home, just picked up the kids from school, heading home in the traffic. Glad you're with us. Some of you are running to swim lessons and soccer practice and the grocery store and getting things ready for the weekend. Glad you're tuning in. You can always catch us every Friday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m. This two-hour live local talk and variety program. Maybe you just stumbled upon us as you were flipping through the dial. Well, stick with us. We have a lot of fun things in store today. This show is intended to entertain you a little bit, hopefully put a little smile on your face, inform you of important things that are happening out there, edify you in your Christian walk, and encourage you and give you just a good alternative on a Friday afternoon. If you ever miss part of the show, you can tune in on Saturdays from noon to 2 and Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. So catch us on The Rebound. This weekend, Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m., when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety. You can also go to khmg.org and listen online. So if you like to listen at your computer or with your phone, you can go to that website, khmg.org, listen live, or you can listen to the podcast of this show and all the other programs we produce here at Harvest Family Radio. So we just want to make sure that you stay connected with us. Find us on Facebook, Harvest Family Radio has a Facebook page, and we love to hear from you. Every week, we get people clicking on there, leaving us comments, following us, and we really appreciate that. It's a great way for you to get a hold of us as well. Send us a personal message to that. Give us some suggestions for this show and for other things we do here. Let us know where you're listening from. Sometimes we have listeners all around the world that are listening online, and we hear about that through our Facebook page. So thanks for tuning in. I am your host, Jared Baldwin. We've been doing this show now. For over four years, we're on episode 212 by our best calculation, episode 212. And uh, this is going to be a fun one today. We have a guest wing person coming up. I guess we could call her Our Girl Friday. Lindsay Nagengas will be up here with her husband, Lawrence, who is our regular segment host of This Day in History and also the stand-in host for the show when I'm gone. He's the guy with the deep radio voice and a lot of knowledge of history. And he also can predict every single drink when we play What's in My Coffee. Lindsay will be here with Lawrence as we uh, play What's in My Coffee a little later. And she'll just be kind of in studio with us for 30 minutes or so this afternoon. Just to, just to add a little gender diversification. I mean, it's just always a bunch of dudes up here. So we had such a good time with uh, Sarah and Leah being in studio with us two weeks ago, that we were like, you know what? We need to just have more female co-hosts up here. There might come a day where we have a female host of this show. When I go off island, maybe we'll have one of these uh, co-hosts work up the courage to where they could just take over the show while I'm gone. They, we have so many talented people here, and a lot of fun personalities have been on the radio with us. So you just never know. Glad you're with us today, though. It is 3.08 p.m. on this Friday the 21st of April. And uh, 
the month of April, there are a lot of interesting observances. For example, this is Fair Housing Month, Financial Literacy Month, Fresh Florida Tomato or Tomato Month, Global Astronomy Month, Global Child Nutrition, Grange, Holy Humor, Informed Woman Month, International Amateur Radio Month, International Customer Loyalty, International Guitar, International Twit Award, and Jazz Appreciation Month. These are all things happening in April, and uh, we always like to just kind of touch base. And I got this list from Bob the Librarian, by the way. Bob is a faithful uh, contributor to the show, always gives me good info. We're just coming off of April 14th through 16th, um, American Fancy Rat and Mouse Days. Yes, you heard that right. Boys and Girls Club Week was is this week right now. Building Safety Week just ended. Canada Book Week is going on right now. Cleaning for a Reason, we're in the middle of that week right now. Consumer Awareness Week, we're in the middle of that week as well. We just ended International Dark Sky Week, and we're finishing up this weekend International Wildlife Film Week. How many of you, uh, when you were kids on public television, used to watch that that show? I forget the guy's name, Marty something, but he was basically a wildlife photographer. He had a show on PBS for years. Something It was Marty Something's America. Maybe some of you listening, you're screaming at the radio right now. I just can't hear you. It doesn't work that way, but it was Marty something's Wild America or something, and he did these really neat uh, wildlife movies, basically, and it was on where I was from, on PBS, Kansas City Public Television, every Saturday night, and so we would watch these uh, broadcasts, and it would it, he would somehow get cameras into places that you wouldn't normally think, like he would have a camera over an eagle's nest or in a bear's den or something like that. And he would have it set up and then um, you'd get to see and observe kind of how the the wildlife lived uh, and they didn't even know they were being filmed. So always neat. I'll, I'll look that up a little later. It's Marty something's Wild America, I believe. Anyway, his last name wasn't something. That's just what I'm trying to remember. National Student Leadership Week is finishing up tomorrow. National Toddler Immunization Week is finishing up tomorrow as well. And then, of course, these days, these days that we are in, today being the 21st, is Kindergarten Day, National Chocolate-Covered Cashews Truffle Day. That's a mouthful. Wish I had a mouthful. School Librarian Day. Congratulations and happy School Librarian Day. Uh, Mr. Bob Shuck, faithful librarian and uh, good, good friend to me personally and to the show. On the 22nd of April, tomorrow, Confederate Memorial Day in the states of Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. Earth Day, I've seen a lot in the news about things that are happening for Earth Day. Uh, Girl Scout Leader Appreciation Day, In God We Trust Day, National Jelly Bean Day tomorrow. Sunday, Army Reserves Birthday, Canada Book Day, Impossible Astronaut Day, International Macaroni Day. Oh, no, no, no. International Marconi Day. I'm not sure what that is. I think there's a Marconi Award out there for something in uh, broadcasting. National Cherry Cheesecake Day. Mmm. National English Muffin Day. You ever had a uh, cappuccino chunk Wolferman's English muffin toasted with some some Kerrygold butter on it? Ooh, that's good stuff. 
Anyway, Monday, Administrative Professionals Day, observed. National Pigs in a Blanket Day. So you could give a pig in a blanket to an administrative professional, and you'll be celebrating two things at once on Monday the 24th. The 25th, Anzac Day for Australia and New Zealand. The 26th, Audubon Day, Hug a Friend Day, Hug an Australian Day, International Guide Dog Day, and National Help a Horse Day. Now, funny that that happens to be the holiday happening on the 26th because I have a story about helping a horse. From Fox News, authorities say a horse returning from a run to Taco Bell escaped serious injury after falling into a five-foot-deep hole in Southern California. Fire officials say the saddled horse and its rider had just left Taco Bell near downtown Riverside on Saturday when the cover on the utility vault collapsed. Battalion Chief Jeff DeLore says the crane was initially requested to haul the horse from the vault, but it wasn't needed. The animal managed to position itself so crews could pull it out using ropes. Now, the question, of course, that it is, why was the horse going to Taco Bell? And in Southern California, Riverside, it totally changes my mental image of what Riverside, California must be. I've never been there, so it must be a place full of Taco Bells and horses, apparently. Hey, guess what? Uh, not only is it National Help a Horse Day on the 26th, on the 27th, Babe Ruth Day, Morse Code Day, and Free Feral Cat Spay Day. That's hard to say. But I have another article that someone provided me. The last article about the horse that fell in the hole, that was provided by a faithful listener, KK. This also was provided by a listener, KC, I believe it was. Provide this CNN story. Taiwan has outlawed the consumption of dog and cat meat as the island's legislature on Tuesday passed a landmark amendment to its animal protection laws, according to the island's officials. Taiwan's progressive ban is part of growing trend across Asia to end the brutal dog meat trade. Previously, the Animal Protection Act only covered slaughter and sale of dog and cat meat, but this amendment specifically prohibits the actual consumption of dog meat. And that is welcome, according to Animals of Asia Foundation. The article goes on to say, Taiwan has doubled the maximum prison term for animal cruelty to two years, raised the fine to $65,500 for any act that deliberately harms animals and results in mangled limbs, organ failure, or death. Violators may also see their names, photos, and crimes publicized. According to Taiwan Central News Agency, Taiwan President Sing E. Win was seen frequently posing with her two cats on the campaign trail. She also adopted three retired guide dogs last year. Animal lovers pushed for the amendment after a string of shocking animal abuse cases. Last year, there were some that showed up on the news and things like that. But basically, Taiwan has outlawed the consumption of dog and cat meat. And the 27th is Free Feral Cat Spay Day. I tied those in together. It's also National Prime Rib Day. No connection. Tell a story day and Woody Woodpecker Day. How many of you listeners grew up watching reruns of Woody Woodpecker? I did. It was on uh, in the afternoons. Wasn't necessarily my favorite cartoon. Uh, it was kind of irritating after a while because he was just so ornery and rebellious. But there was not much else on. There were like two channels that had uh, children's shows on in the afternoon. PBS and then the local Channel 41, which showed cartoons. Woody Woodpecker happened to be the afternoon show. Now, in the middle of the day, of course, if you stayed homesick, you'd get to watch things like Big Valley and this one right here, our little bumper music every week. 
Bonanza. Loved watching that. Anyway, we're going to take a short break, listen to some Harvest highlights. And when we come back, some idioms. The buck stops here. Stranger than fiction. What's in my coffee? This day in history. And the topic of the day, cheese with Sebastian Basildua. Stick around more live till five after this short break. with a little more Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. 3.22 p.m. on Friday, April 21st. Thank you, PD, who is listening at her desk to the show. She solved the mystery. Marty something. His name was actually, is actually Marty Stouffer. He's still alive. He's trying to produce another high-resolution Wild America feature-length show. 12 seasons, 120 episodes. Each episode was 30 minutes long. 1982 to 1994, which would put that right in the middle of my elementary, middle school, and high school years. And it, one of the most popular shows ever aired on PBS. Thank you, TB. You're listening also. I love when people text me during the show because it lets me know. It gives me inspiration. I can visualize that they're listening. Chris and I were talking during the break that not only... Marty Stouffer's Wild America was good, but we both remember also watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins, and that was an Emmy award-winning show, and uh, for best informational series, outstanding informational series, so Wild Kingdom, that was always a good one. Like Chris said, it had a lot of good cliffhangers in it. Will the gazelle escape the leopard? Come back after this short break from Colgate and Palmolive to find out if Mama Gazelle gets away. And spoiler alert, she didn't. Anyway, hey, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. It is 3.23 p.m. on Friday, April 21st. Hey, that gazelle had a more of a fighting chance than dogs and cats in Taiwan did until that law was signed this week, so... 3.24 p.m. if you're listening live. You can always catch us on The Rebound, noon to 2 on Saturday, 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday nights. When we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, you can also download the podcast. We love it when people download the podcast because we can see who's been on our website, khmg.org. And Live Till 5 is just one lighthearted, lightweight show. But we produce a lot of good local programs here. Building Great Leaders with Dr. Les Olala. Um, Heart of Harvest, Heart of Harvest Asia, Living Redemptively with Dr. Doug McLaughlin, and other programs as well. And uh, you can find all those on khmg.org, and you can download the podcast of all these different things, all this content that we're generating here. And uh, we put a lot of hard work into that, we meaning Chris and Sebastian primarily, because they really care. They want to make sure that uh, we're producing programs that will help you grow spiritually. This Friday afternoon program is more of a lighthearted approach. 
But everything we do here at Harvest, we try and filter through our philosophy. We're trying to help people develop a heart for God, and we're trying to use the medium of radio communication to do that. And we're doing it all around the world. I got CW listening, and uh, uh, <laughs> he, he didn't watch uh, Marty Stouffer's Wild America because he didn't grow up in Wild America. He grew up in another country, and uh, he was watching shows like Skippy, which I don't think anyone else, unless they watch cricket or um, you know Australian League rugby or things like that, would understand what Skippy was. Uh, that was a peanut butter uh, brand where I was from, CW. But thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Now, for one of my favorite segments of the show, hopefully you like it too. It's called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of Many a successful person, including but not limited to presidents and politicians, statesmen, scholars, theologians, barons of industry. This person has a little sign on their desk. They're still alive. Has a little sign on his desk. He didn't invent the phrase, but he has it on his desk as a reminder. It's one you've heard before. Sometimes people refer to it as the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid. Evangelist Billy Graham has been a spiritual advisor to multiple U.S. presidents and was the number seven on Gallup's list of at most admired people of the 20th century. Graham has preached in person to more people around the world than any Protestant who has ever lived. It is said that more than 2.5 million had stepped forward at his crusades to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. His lifetime audience, including radio and television broadcasts, had topped two billion with a B. He has said that his desk sign is there to remind him to keep his message simple so even the most uneducated person could understand the teachings of the gospel message. And the little sign again, the KISS principle, the sign on Billy Graham's desk says, keep it simple, stupid. And that is, the buck stops here. I love that segment. I love knowing what makes people tick. What what motivates people? I don't necessarily agree with every one of them, the phrase that they have, or maybe the person. Some of these people I really haven't heard much about other than the quote itself from this little book that, that uh, inspires this segment. The Buck Stops Here by Horace Martin Woodhouse. But it is interesting to see what, what kind of goes on in people's minds. Glad we could be with you this Friday afternoon. 3.28 p.m. on Friday, April 21st. And looking out the window, Carline has dissipated. The flags are gently flapping in the breeze. Students are congregating on the lanai over at the Family Life Center. See a few cars rolling past. Looks like Carline is wrapping up the teacher with the wireless microphone in her hand standing there. Counting down the seconds until she can get out of the sun and get inside and get a fresh calamansi cooler from the coffee shop. I don't blame her one bit. See a few parents still pulling in. There must be a few things still going on here on campus. Glad you could be with us, though. We're going to have some fun today and want to, uh, of course, do some of our regular segments, some things that we do almost every week, uh, including idioms. 
I had a book provided to me well over a year ago by PC, one of our faithful listeners. She likes idioms. The way I know that is we used to play an idiom game with Nick Brown, and she would listen and comment. And so she gave me this book, Scholastic's Dictionary of Idioms by Marvin Turban, more than 700 sayings and expressions. The reason why I find this very interesting, we're kind of going alphabetically through these phrases, is because I've had people tell me that they find it very interesting. Some kids, they just like it because it's kind of funny sometimes. Some people, there are phrases you've been saying and you did not know what the phrase meant or you did not know its origin. For example, boondocks, we did not know. I did not know that was a Tagalog word. So when we say in the boonies, it actually has a Filipino origin. So anyway, that's a good example. Some people don't grow up speaking English. And so they learn conversational English from television and from speaking with others. And so they might learn phrases, but they might not know what they mean or where they come from. So I'm here to help educate you. And uh, people that are learning English just from this show, um, I want to apologize in advance. So let's take a few idioms for today. Uh, Let's see here. Last week we did some that started with the letter P. Let's continue. Pull no punches. This saying came originally from the sport of boxing. If a fighter pulled back on a punch, he held back, didn't hit as hard as he could, and landed a soft blow. By the 1930s, this expression was being used about all sorts of activities. If you pulled your punches, you were careful not to hurt anybody. If you pulled no punches, you were completely honest, even if it might hurt someone's feelings. Pull no punches to hit as hard as possible, to attack with full force, to be perfectly honest, to not hold back. Pull out all the stops. This saying comes from the second half of the 19th century, refers to the working of big organs. I never thought about this. But you know what? PD probably thought about this. She's listening right now. Pulling out all the stops. Church organs had many pipes, and that organist played by pulling out the knobs called stops. If you pulled out all the stops, you got the fullest, loudest, most ear-filling sound possible. That idea was carried over to other activities in life where one goes all out to succeed or enjoy an activity, pull out all the stops to do everything possible to succeed, to do something as enthusiastically as you can. Have you ever seen an enthusiastic organist? Oh boy. Pull strings. Marionettes or string puppets have been used to entertain people for centuries. A puppeteer out of sight of the audience pulls the strings that makes the puppets move. Pull the strings to exert behind-the-scenes influence, to secretly control others from a distance as if they were puppets. Pull the rug out from under you. An American writer in the middle of the 20th century imagined a person standing on a rug, and then, all of a sudden, the rug pulled right out from under him or her. The person would be hurt or at disadvantage lying on the floor. The writer applied that image to destroying someone's expectations or activities. Pull out the rug from under you. Pull the wool over your eyes. In the 19th century Europe, many men wore wigs made of wool. In British courts today, some lawyers and judges still wear them. If you pulled the wig over a person's eyes, he or she couldn't see what is happening and could easily be tricked. It was said that if a clever lawyer fooled a judge, he was pulling the wool over the judge's eyes. Now we use this expression to describe any act of cheating or trickery, to fool, deceive, or trick someone. I learned another one today. Pull up stakes. This has been a well-used saying since at least the 17th century. Stakes, or pointed pieces of wood, were often driven into the ground as markers to show the boundaries of an area of land. 
When you went out and pulled up the stakes, it often meant you were moving to a new location. This expression now refers to making a big move in one's life. When a circus left one town for another, the stakes that held the circus tents were pulled up too. It means to leave your home, job, or country and move to another location looking for something better. That's what it means to pull up the stakes. Pull your leg. By the late 1800s, people sometimes tripped other people by catching their legs with a cane or running a string across the sidewalk. So to pull someone's leg is really to tease them, to, to fool someone. Jokingly, try to lie about someone. You're, you're pulling their leg. You're pulling my leg. Pull yourself together, man. There are many modern idioms that relate to becoming emotionally upset, blowing one's top, breaking down, falling apart, going to pieces, losing one's head, and so on. All of them suggest that you lose control of your feelings. So when people regain their composure and are calm again, they have pulled themselves together. Put all your eggs in one basket. The idea for this idiom goes back to the 1600s when someone realized that if you put all your eggs into one basket and then drop the basket, all your eggs would be smashed at once and you would have an omelet. Figuratively speaking, if you place all of your hopes and efforts on just one thing, you might lose everything. To risk everything to have at once a single idea or a plan to commit all the resources at one time, that is putting all your eggs in one basket. Put the cart before the horse. This is a popular idiom which used in ancient Greece and Rome. This is one of the older idioms here. Has been used by great writers like Shakespeare and appears in many languages. Early on, everyone realized that the right order of horse and cart was the horse in front, cart behind. If you reverse that order, you wouldn't get very far unless you could teach the horse to push rather than to pull. For centuries, this expression has meant more than just wagons and equines, horses, if you do anything in reverse order, like get dressed and then take a shower, get into bed and then put on your pajamas, take a test, and then you do your studying, you're putting the cart before the horse. An idiom with a similar meaning is lock the barn door after the horse is out or after the whole horse has been stolen. So to put the cart before the horse, to do things in backward or reverse order. Two more here. Put your best foot forward. Although this saying has been around since at least the 1500s, no one today is quite sure where it originated. The possibility is that if one leg of your pants is torn or dirty and you're meeting with someone new, you'd put your good foot forward to make a better first impression. So to make the best first attempt as possible, put your best foot forward. And finally, put your finger on something. I just can't quite put my finger on that. The idiom is easy to imagine. If you can actually put your finger right onto something, then you know exactly where it is. If you can recall something exactly, like a name and date, you're putting your finger on it. So it means to identify something precisely, to point out or describe it exactly. That is to put your finger on something. And if you can't, of course, then it would be the negative version of that, which would be, I can't quite put my finger on that. Those are our idioms for today. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined in studio by a bunch of really nice people. I hope they get up here soon. I'm looking at our drinks from the hub and uh, wondering, which one am I going to take we're also going to be joined by Sebastian. So stick around. You're listening to Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. This is episode 212 on this Friday, April 21st, 3.36 p.m. Stick around for more Live Till 5 after this short break.
And we're back with a little more live till 5. It's 3.41 p.m. on Friday, April 21st. Episode 212 of Live Till 5. Now, we are going to go ahead and reveal, I think I already revealed, the topic of the show, which is cheese. And we're going to talk about cheese a little bit. We're waiting for um, our final two quiz contestants to arrive, Lawrence and Lindsay. They'll be up here shortly. But we can have a little small talk about cheese, you know, and then then maybe we'll take a short break and then we'll come back and play What's in My Coffee and have a little cheese quiz and things like that. I told Sebastian the topic of the day was cheese, and so he is earnestly prepared for this discussion. We were talking about cheese earlier, and I'd asked them if they had ever had the fudge recipe that had Velveeta in it. I don't know if any of you listeners have ever had that. It's really, I mean, there's really no bad fudge recipe anyway. But with Velveeta in it, it's pretty good. Pretty good. So now, Chris, tell us about that. So the one thing we all have in common, besides our love of radio and good humor and quick wit and God. debonair looks, um, is that we all lived in Wisconsin for a period of time. And I do remember listening in Wisconsin to public radio as I drive from Northland down to Green Bay or Northland up to Kingsford, uh, Iron Mountain, Michigan area. And sometimes I could only pick up one channel, the public radio station, and they had like a, it was like a call-in yard sale. Yes. You call in and say what you had for sale, like a swap swap meet type thing. And uh, you'd say where it's at and what you need for it and leave your number. And they literally, it was just, it was almost like having an answering machine on the radio. People would literally just call in and say, I yeah. have got two beaver pellets for sale and yeah. this is my number and I'm willing to barter and... So I remember listening to that, but you've got an even more interesting show, and it has to do with our topic for the day. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I used to listen to one of the programs on Wisconsin Public Radio, and I would listen uh, every day. I would listen to actually a uh, a story program. I don't know that I would listen every day, but I would listen to a program where they read a chapter of a book a day, Mm -hmm. and that was always like same deal with the cliffhanger, as you were talking about earlier with... Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. They would always leave you with this cliffhanger and then come back anyway. But one of the programs had a weekly segment. I believe it was a weekly segment on cheese. And they would get into details about cheese that were to the point where you thought to yourself, is there anybody out there that really cares about this this deeply? Well, I found out, yes, there is, because clearly this was a popular segment because they did have call-ins and all that, and people would call in with the most passionate comments and questions. You don't usually hear the term passionate and cheese in the same you oh, know, story. Man. Well, to give you an idea, the per- one of the, one of the uh, primary guests on this program has a blog called The Cheese Underground. Wow. And the blog, the subtitle of the blog is Welcome to Wisconsin, the American Mecca for Artisan Cheese Making. And it's the same deal. There is a deep dive into the cheese making process and different types of cheese and different methods for making cheese. And I mean, it's really if if you're looking for a word to describe this cheese blog, it would be epic. And it is epic, epically cheesy. It uses words like mecca and things like that yeah. uh, to describe uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. So it's people, people care. take pilgrimages 
yeah. uh, to to get their cheese. Yeah, this is yeah. serious stuff. Yeah. And and I thought I just you know a lot of things about Wisconsin were interesting. They seemed like a myth uh, about the the. Um, the polka music, yes. first of all, and yep. you thought, no, that's not really real. That's uh, not happening. And then you realize, oh, yes. Oh, they're oh, very serious about this it. This is real. Yeah. This is quite real. And then it's the same with cheese. You say, oh, cheese. Yeah, they call them cheese heads. And then when you listen to a show like that, you go, oh, this is <laughs> this is the real deal. Yep. This is not a joke. Yeah. They're not messing around. Yeah, every convenience store is selling cheese curds. Yes. I uh, got... Uh, Mr. John McGrew, the administrator of the school, and his daughter, um, Heidi, to try cheese curds for the first time. I took them to Culver's, so it's kind of yeah. like the mass-produced version. But, yeah, the deep-fried cheese curds. Yeah. Squeakers. Squeakers. Yep. Squeakers. Oh, boy. Yeah. They, they didn't believe me until they had them. So, now, we are joined in studio now. Lindsay's here, along with Sebastian and Chris and myself. Lawrence will be up here soon. Lindsay, are you a cheese person? Do you like cheese? Yeah, I you love do? cheese. I What's love your cheese. favorite kind of cheese, if you could? Mm. Ooh, I like brie. Yes. Love brie. Yeah, love... Describe brie for us, because some of our listeners, they don't have the... I have a cousin named brie, named after the cheese, actually. How do you, des- <laughs> how do you describe brie? It's soft, right? It's uh, it's it... soft and expensive. Yes, yep, yep, <laughs> yep. It's got like a little film on it, yeah. kind of, yeah, on the outside, so... I love brie. Yeah, brie is very I good. I love Parmesan. Parmesan's great. Strong. Do you Strong like it smell. shaved or no. grated? I like, like chunks. Chunks. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, chunks. Yeah. Farm person. You know, it's kind of salty uh, when you get so it in in uh, bigger chunks. That's, yeah. I think, why they why they shave it down. The best place on Guam, if you want to get exotic cheeses, oh. the Fiesta Hotel has a buffet there. That's and they have yes. green and purple cheese. We went there. Yes. I remember and, that. And I load up on green and purple cheese Yeah. every time good. I go there. That's why I can only go there like maybe once, you know, every couple months because... It Once? stays with you a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> green and purple cheese. Probably the best thing for you. Yeah, <laughs> I had to look it up. The purple, I guess, is because of port wine, and the green is because of. Um, oh man, I'm trying to remember what makes the green one green. But anyway, yeah. So we're t- cheese is our topic of the day. Cheese. This is just our small right. kind of our chit chat uh, time here before we take a short break and come back to play our cheese trivia. But uh, Sebastian, are you a cheese guy? Oh yeah, I love cheese. What's your favorite kind of cheese? I love mozzarella cheese because it's. Good on pizza. Oh, yeah? Yeah, sure, sure. Because <laughs> sure. I love pizza. <laughs> yeah. I had, uh, I think it was uh, Sarah Rowe was asking me if I was going to talk about individually prepackaged, uh, wrapped American cheese slices today. So now I just did. <laughs> we used to call that at our house plastic cheese. Yeah, yeah. That's what we call it, plastic cheese. Can I, um, oh, you can have a piece of plastic cheese yep. on your sandwich. <laughs> I kind of, I do like it. I like it. I don't like the off-brand because the off-brand oh. tastes like um, silicon caulk, yes. but the uh, like Kraft singles does taste, uh, it reminds me when I was a child, we would get, they had cheese balls. It was American cheese balls and wax paper, like candy, and yes. you could get those at parties and eat those. And So yeah, I'm the, I love cheese. I think cheese is one of the best things. Now, if you read some of the health articles out there on the internet um <laughs> it sometimes says that uh cheese is not as good for you because it has casein in it which is a mm. something they use to make it firm up or whatever but 
Yeah. Lies. I don't I don't pay much attention to that. <laughs> and Swiss cheese. Swiss cheese is very oh, good. Provolone. Swiss actually, cheese. I worked at Subway and yes. I, I actually got my cheese down, you know? Like yeah? cuz I didn't know. It was like I want provolone and I'm like I don't know which one. Yes, the round one. Yeah, exactly. Yes, like the round I, one versus the triangular one. Yeah, exactly. You want American. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Provolone melts really well, but uh yeah, I like all of those. I like the extra sharp cheddars. Like they have a Vermont white cheddar out there that's really yeah. good. Cracker Cracker Barrel, not the restaurant, but the brand of dairy products cracker barrel has mm-hmm. stuff like that hillshire farms we used to get the cheese and salami trays at christmas uh, wow i'm hungry for some cheese <laughs> right you. now i think that'd be that. really good uh, so and then you know we have to uh decide right now before we take a break is Velveeta cheese no it's not do you like Velveeta? no okay so you don't like <laughs> Velveeta, and it's not a cheese what about you sebastian is Velveeta cheese and do you like it or not like it I don't think it's cheese, but I enjoy it in certain things. Like okay. like uh, Super Bowl, you know, you got the Nachos, chili. Nachos, yeah. Nachos, yep. oh, yeah, so good. Yeah, yep. What about you, Chris? That that reminds me of getting, I got some Hot Pockets one time, mm. and this guy at the office said to me, you know, don't you, that that's not real cheese in there? And he said it just like that, very, <laughs> very exercised. Oh, boy. And, and then I'm like, well, I, I like it or whatever. And he, he got, so his contention was any of that made with chemical yes, sort of cheese right. was sort of heretical. I mm-hmm. mean like he, yeah. he he took it almost as a personal offense. Yes. Yep. <laughs> that yep. I was eating this. So I guess I learned no, that is not, not cheese. cheese. But you still no. like the way it tastes. Oh yeah. 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 I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like Velveeta, like put in the crock pot with Rattel tomatoes and then you make like your nacho dip. Sure. But when it comes time to wash the crock pot after the fact and it takes so long to get that off the crock pot and then you realize this is in my arteries right now you start to realize that <laughs> i never realized this that. probably was a bad decision you know like many of my eating decisions seems good at the time and then eventually uh, i i live with regret all my life so speaking of regrets i don't want to have any regrets and not take a break right now so we're gonna take a short break when we come back we're gonna do our cheese quiz whether lawrence is here or not and we're gonna play a little what's in my coffee as well so stick around a little more live till five after this short break. We're back with a little more live till 5, 3.55 p.m. on this Friday, April 21st. Lindsay is our girl Friday today. Sebastian, Chris. Sebastian's the uh, hulking giant, I think is what we called him last week. Chris Harper, all-around good guy, station manager. And me, your host, Jared Baldwin. And we're going to play a little What's in My Coffee to round out this hour because it's just a lot of fun. We've been doing this ever since, ever since. And so... We don't want to go another second without mentioning that this segment's brought to us by Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, gifts, a few books, and the largest selection of Yankee candles and all of Barragata. I like it a lot. I go there every day. Not just Barragata, but the hub, Hebrews Coffee Shop and Bookstore. Now, let's play a little What's in My Coffee we're going to go around the table and describe the drinks that we have, and then I'm going to do the big reveal 
uh, before the top of the hour. And I do want to mention that the Hub is now selling hot malasadas every morning. We sold out every day this uh-huh. week. These are little donuts with cinnamon sugar, gently, gently patted on the sides. They are sitting there. You can you caress it in a little <laughs> napkin, and then you eat it in two bites. It's really, really good, and you can get a coffee uh, malasada combo, which I'll talk about in the second hour. Chris, you have a hot drink. What does it taste like? This hot drink is a coffee drink. It tastes like it has a little bit of chocolate in it, but I don't want to give anything away, but I think I've guessed what it is. It's a little sweeter than your average chocolate coffee drink. I think it is a white mocha. Mm. Now, here's what they've done to me in the past. They have thrown me off by putting something else yes. in the white mocha, yep. and I think that may have happened today as well. Yes. And I, so I cannot name what the other flavor okay. may be. That a white I'm mocha with, with possibly something else. Possibly with something else. That's my guess. I guess I didn't describe it terribly well, but it's a chocolate coffee drink. Okay. Very smooth. Very mm-hmm. smooth, but also very sweet. Okay, smooth and sweet. Great. Speaking of smooth and sweet, Sebastian. Oh, here I am. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I, I also don't want to give this away, but it you, tastes, can, it, you can give it away. But, no, that's the whole thing. Giving it away is fine. Lawrence does that every week. He picks it up. He's like, oh, this is a double half-calf cappuccino <laughs> with soy stirred clockwise. So what is yours? Yeah, you what ruined, do you think it is? You ruined what I was going to say. Go ahead. I was going to say, but it tastes exactly like an Oreo frap. Uh, blended or frap. Yeah, yeah Oreo frap. An Oreo right? frap? I don't know what a frap exactly is, so yeah, we'll go with it. Yeah, hey, no, is it's it? it's been frapped. It's been uh, spun around. I don't around taste coffee, though. That's the thing. No coffee. But it looks like there's, you know, maybe <laughs> chocolate on the side there. <laughs> Lawrence just walked in and surprised his wife. <laughs> Lawrence, glad to have you here. <laughs> Oh, we definitely need to go back to live streaming this show. So, literally live. While Lindsay uh, pulls herself together, going back to our idiom game from earlier, I will talk about my cold drink. It is the color of, um, uh, it's the color of a sunset in a Caribbean painting, and it is uh, carbonated. The plastic cup is sweating from the cold beverage inside. It has a sweet nectar-type taste. I think it's a peach fruit splash. Maybe a mango peach fruit splash. Not sure. Now, Lindsay, now that you've caught your breath, uh, what does yours (laughs) taste like? It's cold drink, obviously. Yeah, it's a cold drink. It looks like the sun. Yes. It's refreshing, extremely refreshing. It can be loved by all kids and Mm -hmm. adults. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's got calamansi in it. It's got a very fruity taste to it, and it's mm-hmm. got a little bit of a fizz. Yes. So I'm thinking it's a calamansi with some lemon. Okay. Okay. I think, I think mango. Maybe mango? calamansi mango. You calamansi think? mango. He likes calamansi predicting other people's drinks. Mango. Yeah. <laughs> so fruit all right, splash, yeah. calamansi mango fruit splash. And Lawrence, take a sip of yours and give us the. Uh, I Give did. us the rundown. I think I think it's a London fog. Oh, uh, it's a little bit lukewarm that I came in, but so, so it's still good. A little Earl Grey tea, a little cream. Get your London fog down at the yeah. coffee shop. All right. <laughs> well, you know what? We're gonna save the big reveal for after. Oh man, the news at the wait. top of the hour. So yes, it's so much. We're, we're, we we that's what we want. It's a cliffhanger hanging from a cliff. That's why we call it cliffhanger. Yeah. So, listeners, stick around, and you'll get to hear the second hour of live till five. We're broadcasting this episode 212 on this Friday, April 21st on KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News and another hour of Live Till 5.
And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. It's 4.05 p.m. on Friday, April 21st. A little bumper music from the obscure Disney movie called Endurance. The autobiographical story of Halle uh, Gerblisi, the Ethiopian endurance runner. Great runner. And since the Boston Marathon was just this past week, I thought it'd be appropriate to play a little. This song's called Chasing the Bull from the Endurance soundtrack. Hans Zimmer. That's the one of the best parts is actually the soundtrack. So a little Ethiopian music to, because you know we're m- multicultural on this show. I mean, look at us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a picture of multicultural. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we're from different parts of the Midwest, basically. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, <laughs> Sebastian asks me every Friday morning. What's the theme of the show today? And some days I'm really at a loss. Today I had cheese on my mind for some reason. So when Sebastian came by, I was like, what's the theme? I was like, uh, cheese. And so Sebastian has prepared a cheese quiz for us, right? Oh, yes, I have. So, uh, so you're going to um, like put us through the grater? I'm trying to think Ooh, of a, good you know, one. that's that's <laughs> kind of a tie-in there. So Yeah. yeah. Okay, all He's right. going to shred us? Sebastian, we will... That's what I was looking for. You can. Oh yeah, that's right. Duh. Oh bro, thank you. On. People Man. are eagerly awaiting the drink name. Well, you have their, your own special. They haven't gone into Kmart because they were waiting. waiting to know. Okay, all right. So now we're going go to do the big reveal, reveal on the drinks. Who had? First off, don't forget about the malasadas, folks, and they do go quickly. So you got to get them first thing yeah. in the morning. The so, deal is one for a dollar fifty, which is a great deal. Two for two fifty. Or a small, co- actually a large coffee and a malasada for three bucks, and then an additional dollar for each one. So you get three malasadas and a large cup of coffee for five bucks. That right there makes you happy for like yeah for hours. Hours. <laughs> hours. In fact, I was kind of hoping when I saw that, that we were going to have some samples oh, up here just to remind me of what I it know. tasted like. I know, but they it sold does out make before you happy. noon. Yes, so. they were sold out before ten today. Whoa. Okay, so uh, you have drink number one, right, Lawrence? Okay, you have the sugar-free vanilla, London Fog, oh. hot. Who had number two? Oh, it was me. And I called it right. It was the peach mango fruit splash over ice. Nice. Lindsay, you obviously, by marrying Lawrence, you guys are a power couple when it comes to predicting drinks. It is a mint calamansi. Mint! I, I have never that. heard that before. Have I. You when mint. you said it, I did I said it a... Off the air, I turned away and I did an eye roll like... Yeah, mint. But it was, you got oh, yeah, it right. For sure. <laughs> mint calamansi. Mint, cali- mint calamansi. That is great. Wow, that really so sounds no good. no mango. It sounds like a, no. a tie drink. We, we train. We train in the and week. And no lemon. Well, you were just looking lemon. across at her drink, yeah, though. I, yeah, they make that a lot when they come yes. up here, and it looked a little orangey in the so bottom. That is good. I like the wow. mint. Wow. The, the mint is refreshing in it that. It is refreshing. It doesn't, it cuts some of the sweetness. It does. And Chris, he has, and he used the term smooth and he thought it was maybe a white mocha with something. It's actually the creamy vanilla bean Ooh. hot. Oh, yes. And then, uh, of course, for Sebastian. the blended drink that Sebastian's drinking, <laughs> Sebastian. the purple Oreo, which is a taro <laughs> Oreo oh, frappe. Oh, purple Oreo. Well, I was basically It's a right. taro it Oreo. A purple, so the base but... of it is not like vanilla. It's taro, which yeah, is a very kind good. of a bland, sweet taste, uh, very popular in this part of the world. Purple Oreo. It's actually a yam. I mean, I'm colorblind. It's like How sweet potato. Sweet potato and Oreo frap is okay. basically what it is. That, that doesn't sound so appetizing. No, not necessarily. But Taro. you can tell your tell your 
fans at home that you're eating your vegetables now. So there you go. Okay, so I'm now let's talk vegetables. about cheese. Let's talk about cheese. Jeez. Let's talk about cheese. Lawrence, oh, where are you on the cheese scale? Do you love cheese? Do you like cheese? You know? Um, I love cheese. You're not lactose intolerant or anything? No, right? no, I definitely like cheese a lot. Okay. I love All cheese. Right. Okay. Munster cheese is one of my favorites. Munster. That's Munster. a soft cheese. You yeah. Can, you can get that sometimes soft. for sandwiches here. Yeah. You can. You, it's got the orange edges. Mm-hmm. My friend in high school loved peanut butter and jelly. I love salami and Munster cheese. Mm. Not even on purpose. We brought those sandwiches from our own homes, and we'd trade probably nine out of ten days. Mm. <laughs> so out of two weeks, I had a Munster and salami sandwich, and he had PB&J and oh. wheat, and his is on white. So I was getting a great deal. Like that was a trade <laughs> like that. Yeah, it yep. really yep. was. But he liked PB&J. So See, I tried to offload my, my Bronswager on wheat, <laughs> and uh, that is like it's liverwurst, basically yeah. liver pate. Nobody wants shaped that. Shaped like a Jesus. big, oh, yeah, with the, with the yellow skin. So bologna has a red uh-huh. skin on it. Bronswager has a yellow skin. <laughs> Times are tough. Yeah. Times yeah. are tough back I then. think my mom was trying to get me to lose some weight. Uh-huh. So, okay, let's talk about cheese, Sebastian. It is all yours. All right. And I see Chris is not here. I think the pressure got to him. So, yep. uh, it did. He's right. outside the window listening. <laughs> uh, I call this the cheesiest quiz in the world. <laughs> nice. <laughs> one fan. You got one fan. <laughs> so, here we go. Are you ready? Oh, he comes back. Uh-oh, he's time. here. I guess I'll add him to the list if he wants to join. Um now, this, this is this quiz. It's multiple choice. We'll go around from Lawrence, Jared, okay. and down over to Lindsay. So we're just so. Get, this is not pop-up or toss-up. No. Pop-up. Pop-up. <laughs> that's a weasel. All right. uh, we have our own turn, so that's good. Yeah, yeah. we won't yeah. talk over each other. Good, good, good. I'm glad we have this. All right, question number one. Which U.S. state produces the, the most cheese? A, Vermont, B, Wisconsin, C, California, or D, Oregon? I feel it's a trick question, but they have the Packers as their NFL team, so I'm going to have to go with Wisconsin. Okay, Wisconsin. I think it's California, and I believe they were meat Packers, not cheese Packers. You're you're right. You're right, but it's the cheesehead, and I almost said California simply because of their size. I believe population-wise. Yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. We'll We'll see. And, Lindsay, what do you think? You know, I'm going to be different, and I'm going to say Oregon. So we got a Wisconsin, California, and Oregon. Mm -hmm. Lawrence is correct. It is Wisconsin. (laughs) All right. Good job. My gut. So now it's Jared's turn to go first. Oh, we can just keep doing this. True or false? Shredded cheese is generally more expensive than a block of cheese. That's true. That's true. 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 How big is the block of cheese? Oh. <laughs> you do the shopping. I know. Um, true. Okay. Well, someone didn't want to go with their gut, which is good because it is true. There yeah. you go. Yeah, because it's the work of shredding it that they have to charge for. I I'm guess. just not going to add a point. To less. Yeah, it's ex- you pay for the labor, but it's of less cheese. I think you get less cheese. You yeah. So per ounce, you yeah. pay for the labor of shredding. Also, just a quick fact about that Wisconsin. Wisconsin produced 2.8 billion pounds of cheese in 2013. Wow. Random. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. All right. So question number three. I forgot I had little notes about the answers. Uh, the Sardinian cheese, Casumarzu, I don't know how you say that, Italian for rotten cheese is notable for containing what? A, seaweed, B, live maggots, C, maple syrup, or D, eggshells? None of those are good answers. <laughs> Is there an F? No. Or an E? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with syrup. 
Maple syrup. I would do, since it's Sardinian, I'm thinking it's seaweed A. A, seaweed. I'm going to go with eggshells. Eggshells. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> wants to go with the maggots, and I bet that's the correct answer. And you but know anyways. what? You're correct. It, it is. is. <laughs> no way. Oh, that's disgusting. It's oh, made by I didn't even want to believe that was real. Seriously. Yeah, they have cheese flies that they introduce, and they lay eggs in the Ew. cheese. They're cheese flies? Which is then eaten by the larvae <laughs> after oh, they hatch. Man. Yeah, I won't they go, go in for a it. cheese nip. The, oh, oh. The, but it says beware the maggots can leap up to six inches when disturbed so uh, <laughs> I won't be eating next, that cheese. next question, next question. Was the first <laughs> I'm just giving you a warning okay uh, question number four <laughs> what cheese saw its sales rebound in 1995 after the clay animated inventor Wallace of Wallace and Gromit declared it to be his favorite cheese um, A. Cheddar B. Wensledale, C, Double Gloucester, or D, Stilton Cheese. What was the last one? Stilton Cheese. Hmm. You guys well, know Wallace and Gromit, right? Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Animated. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wallace and Gromit, Shaun the Sheep. Yep. Uh, Timmy Time. Yeah, of course. I, I always oh. remember the cheese. In the, in the, in the, like, chicken Run. He's like same, always having same cheese and crackers. Oh, I know Chicken Run. Yeah. He, I think he, he went to the moon to get cheese because he thought the moon was made of cheese. Yeah. I, <laughs> so, Lawrence, what do you think? A, B, C, or D? Uh, I'm going to go go with A. Cheddar. Cheddar. Okay, I'm going to go with the, um, what was the Glau- Gloucester one? Double Gloucester. Double Gloucester. Okay. Or Gloucester, as they probably say it there. But, yeah. I'm going to go with Stilton. Stilton, y'all are wrong again. <laughs> wow, <laughs> Wensladale, the Wensladale Creamery in Hawes was on the verge of ba- bankruptcy at the time. The company subsequently partnered with uh, the animation studio to license a brand of Wallace and Gromit, Wensladale. Wow. So that was in 1995. Yep. Question number five: What country makes the most cheese, producing almost 60,000 metric tons oh, in 2013? A. France. B, United Kingdom, C, Italy, or D, United States. Mm. Switzerland's not on there? That's a bummer. How to guess that? Swiss cheese. <laughs> it's half holes, though. So, yeah, like, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so it's not metric weight, yeah, you're way down. The population. Um, nobody else can take a guess? I'm, I'm going to go with France. I'm going to go with Italy. Italy. Well... I'll be different and go with the United States. Congratulations. It's the United States. Oh, oh, there you go. We should have guessed. They have According Wisconsin. to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the United States produced 5,855,000 metric tons in the 2013. And we it's like also cheese. the world's Yes. Wow. It's also the world's largest cheese exporter. So, Wow. Um, and adult diabetes is <laughs> yeah, diabetes. a real problem. <laughs> Question number six. What country consumes the most cheese per capita? A, France, B, Greece, C, United States, or D, Great Britain? Oh. So the last question was produce. This is consumed. Who eats it. Yep. And we export per it. Per capita. Per capita. Per capita. I bet it's, I bet it's Great Britain. Great Britain. I'm going to agree and go with Great Britain. Great Britain. I'm going to say Greece. Greece. Congratulations. It's Greece. Hey! Wow. <laughs> Who brought her on the show? <laughs> Greece wow. is the world's top per capita. What are you doing next country? week from three to five? Lindsay? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they eat sixty-eight point five pounds, followed by pr- France. I guess they probably should have sixty-eight pounds a year about the yep. per capita. of cheese per capita. Sixty-eight yep. pounds. Yep. Honestly, it's, it's over a pound and a half a week. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of cheese. Yeah, <laughs> I and was the, just. 
I was just thinking I like olives with uh, cheese. There you <laughs> go. Yeah. That's yeah. sure. That's logical. Um, I mean, you have you know 68 pounds. The, the average American eats 32. Yeah, see, that sounds reasonable. That's year. half. That's half the <laughs> that amount. Sounds reasonable because we're American. But <laughs> good point. <laughs> Question number seven: What country? Which country is the birthplace of cheddar cheese? A. England. B. United States. C. Ireland. Or D. Scotland. Cheddar. 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 So I'm going to go with Ireland. Ireland. I'm going to go with. Scotland. Scotland. I'm going to agree and go with Scotland. Scotland. You're all wrong. It's actually England. Cheddar oh. cheese originated in the village of Cheddar in Somerset, <laughs> England. So predictable. Before the yeah. 12th century. Yeah, man. We're, we're getting here, rounding down last two questions here. So what, uh, just a quick score update. Lawrence has one. Lindsay has two. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so I, we cancel point. each other out if we all get it right. Yes. Okay, correct. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm sorry. You don't feel special. All right. What has Wisconsin re- recently started doing with its excess cheese? A, using it as a cow feed supplement. B, using it as a fertilizer. C, using it to de-ice roads. Or D, use it, using it to oil rusty tractors. I'm gonna Can you ask the question one more time? What has Wisconsin recently started doing with its excess cheese? I don't think they're giving it to cows. I'm going to go with a random tractor fixing. Oil? Right Oiling the there. tractors, huh? Oiling. With cheese. Yeah. <laughs> really? You know, when you when you say <laughs> it like that, your, I almost want to take my hands back. Turn your plow into a giant <laughs> meatball primavera. Um, let's see. I think uh, maybe putting it on the roads because there's a lot of salt in certain kinds of cheese. So I'm thinking de-ice the roads. Interesting. I'm going to agree and say de-ice the roads. That is interesting because that is the truth. It hey. is. There you go. See? You want to use provolone or mozzarella because those have the best salt content. There you go. You have to do practically wow. nothing to it. I had no idea that was a thing. Yeah. Um, so that's well, now uh, you know. one for Lindsay and one for Jerry. I know a lot yes. about cheese. Um, wow. I didn't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Perfect candidate for this episode. <laughs> uh, last question here, um, and none of you can win, but except for Lindsay. Um, true or false? For optimal flavor, cheese should be served at room temperature. That's true. 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 Okay, true. All of Just you like chocolate. True. Correct. Experts recommend taking cheese out of the refrigerator thirty to sixty minutes before serving. Personally, I take it out for thirty to sixty seconds before eating. So. <laughs> and that's the end of so it. what was the final score there the final score is Lawrence has one Jared has one Chris has nothing because he backed out and Lindsay has three wow Yay. she totally <laughs> she totally uh, got us on Demolished that one so I'm not even going to use any like play on words she just beat us she just beat us uh, really bad on that one so now Lindsay you've been on the show before Yes. So, but you've not got to do like some of these quizzes with us before, no, right? No, I've never see. done a quiz with you're you. You're good at this. We need to bring you up here more more often. Maybe Lawrence, when he guest hosts, could bring you up. I don't know how that would go. I've asked her before, and she's just like, you know, yeah. I've got work to do. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today was a good day for her to come up. So I think w- what I'd like to do is go right into this day in history, if if you can. And Lindsay, just so you know, yes. if Lawrence says something that makes you think of something that you just want to blurt out you're welcome just, just welcome to speak to up yep okay. yep this is a it's an open mic time it's what makes it <laughs> sure. so much fun <laughs> you know <laughs> there you go. train of thought <laughs> yep that's right that's right all righty well let's begin 753 bc traditional date for romulus and remus to found rome 
Uh, that is a long time ago. A couple of brothers, they ended up killing each other. You can probably guess by the name of Rome which brother was uh, triumphant in that altercation. Romulus. Romulus. Very good. It is. (laughs) That's why I want her to be able to just speak freely. Yeah. (laughs) Rome. Okay. 43 BC, Battle of Mutina. Mark Antony is again defeated in battle by Aulus Hurtius, who is killed. Antony fails to capture Mutina, and Decimus Brutus is murdered shortly after. So another Roman altercation back in the day. Uh, let's see here. Thomas Cromwell begins to plot Anne Boleyn's downfall while feigning illness. Uh, a lot of uh, interesting English, you know, sneaking around. Uh, you had Mary killing all the uh, leaders of the Protestant movement and uh, bringing Catholicism back, and of course Elizabeth. And Anne Boleyn was the, I believe, second wife of Henry VIII, I think. Um, but. Not everybody liked her in England, that's for sure. 1785, Catherine II of Russia confers on the nobility of the charter to the nobility, increasing further the power of the land oligarchs. Uh, 1789, John Adams sworn in as first U.S. vice president. Uh, nine days, interestingly enough, nine days before Washington was sworn in as the president. So I wonder how often, I don't know in history, that the vice president has actually taken on office before yeah, the president. Probably yeah. not very yeah. often. Uh, They do it almost at the same time now. I think the president Mm -hmm. goes first with the vice president shortly following. 1796, Napoleon and the French defeat. Boy. Piedmontese has Battle of... I should have had you read this one because you you know French. Uh, Battle of Mondeville. Um, This is part of starting the the dominant process of him taking over Europe. That was Mm -hmm. his goal. And then eventually... Uh, started to have a downfall in Russia. 1865, Abraham Lincoln's funeral train leaves Washington. Uh, so I believe he was... Um, I, well, I thought the, the, the date of his death was in February, but maybe, I, maybe it was no, April. No, that would make sense. That, and he lied in state for a while. and Yeah, that could have been. Taken to his final resting place. Yeah. They did a train? Yeah, there was, that was... Uh, a funeral procession, I guess, they yeah. had uh, back from in the D.C. 1860s. all the way back to Illinois. It yep. could have been. It could have been. Uh, 1918, World War One. German fighter Ace Baron Manfred von Richtenhoven, Richtoven, uh, or the Red Baron as he's known, uh, shot down and killed over Vaux-sur-Somme in France. Uh, Canadian pilot Arthur Roy Brown is credited with the kill, but this guy uh, was kind of the ace of aces. Uh, in fact, Snoopy. Uh, you know, has his little battles him all the time. Yeah, that. yeah. So uh, he was one of the famous. It to be considered an ace, just food for thought or tuck it away. You had to kill five. You had to have five um, kills or, or five planes yeah. that you shot down air the to enemy. Air. Yep. Yeah, uh, in the dogfight, if you will. He had he had over eighty. God. So to be to be an ace, you have five, which is actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, you you take out five planes on your own. That's pretty good. He, he went on to start up. Frozen Pizza Empire, I think. Red what? Baron. <laughs> yeah, it was the Red Baron Pizza. I don't know. I think that I think. was... Uh, I think. It could be. They just used his name. I thought it was maybe him after he crashed. There's yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't make it uh, long enough to see that be uh, a success. <laughs> yay, yay. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, last bit here. Um, Sorry to throw you off there and get you thinking no, about pizza. <laughs> you yeah, know, you know that. That's right. I'm about to have a mint calamansi and a big mm. old pepperoni slice of pizza. Um, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, Jack Nicholas uh, won the Senior Golf Championship in 1991. Those of you that follow that, 
Uh, Eddie Murray sets record for switch hit home runs in a game uh, 11 times. I'm sorry, um, 11 switch hit home runs in a game. He did that 11 games, different games, which means you hit two home runs, one right-handed, one left-handed. Yeah, that almost Uh, never happens. No, that doesn't happen in a season for many people that are even bat switch, you know, they usually are, are contact hitters with one and power hitters with the other, sometimes both with both. But, uh, in fact, uh, Neil Walker uh, went to high school with Lindsay, plays for the, he's a second baseman for the New York Mets, um, is a switch hitter. Wow. And uh, has done that a couple times, actually. I don't think 11 times, but he's, uh, nope. he's done it a few times. So, anyways... Um, any good news in the last 10 years? We've been you, talking about this every week. Know, like, it's always bad news. The last 10 years of history is always... We have a winning of the London Marathon. There you go. Um, we'll take it. What is and it? And then 2013, I can't even pronounce their names. Is it an Ethiopian um, name? They are probably. Or Kenyan? They win the 2013. And then 2014, 118th Boston Marathon, Meb Kefligi yes, he of just the United ran States. His, first yes. man in, in first two American. hours, eight minutes, 37 seconds. And then Rita Jeptu. Uh, of Kenya is the first woman yep. in two hours, 18 minutes, and yeah. 57 seconds. I got to go. I went and watched the Boston Marathon in 2011, and I was uh, I got to stand at, I think it was Station 24, so it was two miles before the end, and uh, yeah, they come flying through there. So I got yeah. to stand right by their They're water so bottles, because you know, if you know what their race number is, you can look where their water bottle is, what the top 40 could have their own private table of water bottles because they don't oh. just drink water. They have like special yeah, they have, concoctions, yeah, whatever. Drinks and and so I think Meb ran in that one too. Meb just retired. This was his last uh, race. Oh, no uh, kidding. This Boston Marathon. So wow. minor, obscure, you know, only runners follow that kind of stuff. But good. Thanks for ending on some good news, by the way. Appreciate sure. that. Sure. Little, little race news. Yeah. Awesome. So now before we take our break, I want to let you guys get out of here and then I'll get back to uh, talking about some of the other topics of the day. But Lindsay, I just wanted to have you on the show today because you're always a hoot. You you always have some funny stories, uh, sometimes about yourself, sometimes about other people. Uh, I had originally told you I was going to have you talk about beauty pageants. I was halfway kidding. But if you ever are with <laughs> yeah. Lindsay when there's a group picture, on a, on a she does have. A doctoral paper, you know, a dissertation type research on yes, pageants yes. that our staff has been so, involved in. I got Tell nervous. Us, <laughs> what do you know about beauty? You know more about beauty pageants than anyone else. So, um, in this you, no, that's least. not true. You were, you were in some beauty pageants well, as a child. I don't. Yeah, Sebastian uh-huh. doesn't. He, Lawrence <laughs> yeah, doesn't. I'm out. Hey, I came in. I I was a runner-up in a dog show one time. That there was we it. go. So what? So you were in your your mom put you in beauty pageants when you were she little. She put me in one beauty pageant yes. with oh my sister. Yes, some homemade dresses. Homemade dresses. You know, you go to the fabric store. I and think buy they those. still have them actually. Sure. Yeah. Oh, us? Mm-hmm. Maybe my mom probably hung them up and framed them. Sure. Yeah, they're um, in a shadow box in the basement. Yeah, she got us these little hats and stenciled. Um, stars and stripes on it. It was a 4th of July pageant. Okay, okay. So it was called Miss Gibsonia. It was the little town I was in. And uh, me and my sister dressed the same. So we had our little stenciled hats on and stenciled vests. She did the same thing with our vests. And we really looked like ragamuffins, to be quite honest. (laughs) (laughs) But she thought we looked adorable. (laughs) Did you you win? Did you place? no, 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 no. The girl who won... Looked like toddlers and tiaras. She was oh, like yeah. beautiful hair. Yeah, and the nails were done. Teeth. Spray tan. You know, first, teeth. mind yep. you, we're first yep. graders, so we're yeah. like these sure. little girls. Well, you know, they have a re- awards for girls that are wearing stenciled, you yeah, know, stars and stripes. Yeah, we looked pretty stripes. sad. Yeah. <laughs> so, but obviously, it made some kind of impact because, like, every time we take a group picture, 
you know, the camera comes out and Lindsay, you have this certain pose you do every time. You kind of yeah. like, kind of like, <laughs> like that. I'm sure the audience so, loves Yes, that. yes, yes. They can imagine. They can. Some of them that are your friends, they know what I'm talking about. So what did you discover as you started talking to people about this topic of beauty yeah, pageants? Tell I me. I found out that there are a lot of ladies on this campus who have um, either pretended to be in a beauty pageant when they were younger, made crowns, mm-hmm. um, or Miss Tessie Eckert actually won. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure what she won. She won like Miss, not Miss Guam, but it's like Liberation Day, Liberation yep. Day Queen or mm-hmm. Princess back in like 1970 something. Easy, yep. easy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> 1990. <laughs> well, anyway, we have a picture of that. So she won. Was in a pageant and. Um, who else? There were a couple others, but there were a couple. There were just a bunch of women that told me after I started it's talking about my thing, experience. Right? Yeah. They were all like excited and like, yeah, let me tell sure. you. About sure. It, I think it appeals to, you know, parents. They want their kids to do well. And sometimes it's like you want them to do well in sports or you want them to do well in music. And, you know, pageants are used to probably be even more common. They're, they're not super common here on Guam for youth age they've probably fallen on hard times and, and uh, it's probably a cultural thing but uh yeah. so yeah we have you know people i haven't met any dudes that have been in any beauty pageants i mean no, i can't think of anyone i haven't either off the top of my head okay. so uh so now um what are you guys bef- before i let you go i'll give you another minute here what what are you doing this weekend Lindsay? what do you have planned for this weekend well i'm um Going to the Seroptimist Tea Party. What is a Seroptimist? People, when you drive into a small town in America and it says, you know, it'll be like Lions Club, it'll say Masonic Lodge, and then there'll be like a little sign, it'll say Seroptimist, you know, uh, Troop 132. What what, what is local local humanitarian, uh, which defining that, it's kind of like community community outreach Mm -hmm. for the betterment of 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 the. Right. Area, yeah. so they do good so in the community. They have many; br- they have a bunch of branches, and I think it's state. You know, over in the it's state, nationally, too, nationally, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, there's the Marianas, the Seroptimist of the Marianas, and also of Guam. And then our school has a club, mm-hmm. a school club. So it's actually the Tea Party is our school club promoting. Um, they're putting it on, okay. And it they've invited um, a bunch of girls. Um, the, I think Harvest House is the beneficiary mm-hmm. of it, yep. and Erica's house, yep. Yep. the two beneficiaries. So um, they'll be in attendance, and Great. Um, it should be really fun. It's going to be a good time, and it's mainly for teen girls to attend, and um, I think even elementary age. Do girls. they dress up for these things? Actually, t- um, yes. Tomorrow they will be um, – our club is going to, like – Dress the girl, like give them some dresses and then do their hair and get them all like dolled up. For nice. The event. Do you do like stenciled hats and vests or? You know, no, we're <laughs> okay. not. That's a, that's a dagger no, to the heart. Is, no, no, no. So it's a, it's a fancy, it's a fancy event. A tea is a kind of a formal afternoon yes. type thing for yes. girls, for ladies. So we won't be wearing any hats, I don't think. No, but. No. Okay, cool. And that's here on campus. Yeah, Yeah, right before, I think Harvest House has an event right after that. So, awesome. Okay, and Lawrence, what are you doing uh, during the tea? I won't be there, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, probably get some rest of the morning and then, I don't know, uh, there's some friends coming in from Japan, actually, that uh, are just, I think, coming down for the weekend and kind of into next week that we're going to do some fun things with them uh, tomorrow afternoon, evening, and then, uh, so it'll be good to see them. Great. And then, I don't know, just 
Give us a hand. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, it's going to get busy uh, with graduation coming up. And Sebastian? Huh? Yeah, what are you doing you know, this weekend? I, Working on your cheese recipes? I, or? No, I'm going to work on a little promotional video and then highlight of my weekend. I'll probably go grocery shopping. Yeah. Yep. And that's We're about blessed. it. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, that's hey, that's just normal grown-up life. So, uh, yeah. you know, you're you're living the dream now. So Now, Lawrence and Lindsay just got back from Japan last Friday. By the way, what what was yeah. that trip like? Um, really, some of that trip is is dictated by the weather. Uh, it can be an awesome trip or it can be a couple crummy days but this year uh, we went good. to fuji q which is an amusement park with some actually really decent roller coasters had a beautiful day there could see the whole mountain was, uh, mount fuji that is um tuesday we go to the zoo and some different museums and some local shopping uh and it's quite the rainy day very cold probably in the upper 40s lower 50s and just rain so the kids did a good job of, of you know keeping their morale up but it was a little yeah. chilly uh, not used to that from coming from Guam. But then we got to Disney, Disney Sea on Wednesday, and it was incredibly uh, nice weather. I, I mean, saw I was some of the pictures. Looks like everyone was having a great time. Yeah. So. yeah and then great trip. Thursday, uh, just did some more shopping, sightseeing, and uh, also good weather there. So awesome. overall, great trip. Awesome. Well, welcome back. Glad you guys are back. Thank you. Lindsay, thanks for coming up and being thanks. with us on Thank the show you for today. Having me. You guys all have a great weekend. And listeners, stick around. We're going to have a little more live till five after this short break. A little stranger than fiction. Going to talk a little bit about our touch of Dutch today. Seems like I come across something Dutch every week now. So uh, stick around. More live till five after this short break. We're back with a little more live till 5. It's 4.38 p.m. on this Friday, April 21st. Glad you're with us for this live, local, talking variety radio program here on KHMG 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. We have about 20 minutes left in the show. But no worries. If you miss part of the show, you can always tune in from noon to 2 on Saturdays or 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday nights. Some of you might be listening during those times right now. Noon to 2 Saturday 7 to 9 p.m. Sunday night. Catch us on The Rebound or go to our website, khmg.org. Download the podcast. A lot of different ways you can listen. You can listen live on your computer through khmg.org as well. And you can download some really great programs that we produce here locally at KHMG on our website, khmg.org. Go to Facebook. Let us know you're listening. Go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Follow us. Send us a note. Send us a private message. Let us know what you think about the show, about all of our programs. Give us some ideas. Just give us a word about where you're listening from, what you like to listen to. We really appreciate when we get feedback from people because uh, there's really no way for us to know how many people are listening over the airwaves. There's no technology out there that tells us how many people have their radio dial tuned to Harvest Family Radio. We can tell on online. We can tell on podcasts. We get a lot of anecdotal uh, feedback from people that say, hey, I was listening last week, or I really like that one thing you did. 
but we really don't get to hear back from a lot of radio listeners. Uh, the majority, they listen just like you. They drive down the road. They don't have a chance to let us know, but boy, we sure do appreciate getting to hear from you. So we would love to get some feedback from you regarding this show. Now, from the Stranger Than Fiction segment of the show, news around the world. Here you go. I saw a picture of a uh, Hyundai Santa Fe with big overinflated tires. Now, Hyundai Santa Fe is just a kind of a little crossover SUV, small vehicle. And you wouldn't think it could be used for something like what most people would use like a Range Rover for, for example. But uh, if you paid attention at school, this is from Fox News, you would know that Sir Ernest Shackleton, you know his story. He was one of the great polar explorers and achieved many incredible things. But his mission to cross the Antarctic, uh, Antarctica failed when his ship got trapped in the ice and sank. Saving his crew became his most famous exploit. Now, 100 years on, Shackleton's great-grandson, Patrick, has conquered Antarctica in a Hyundai Santa Fe. Not quite as heroic as Shackleton, it must be said, but still a first for a passenger car and an incredible achievement all the same, especially avoiding those deep crevices. Patrick admittedly said it was a bit of a worry. So much uh, so that all four vehicles, the Hyundai and the three support trucks, were roped together in case one fell into the abyss. Uh, let's see here. Patrick's SUV was modified for the 30-day, 480-kilometer trek from Union Camp at McMurdo and then back again, but not as much as you might think. Giant heavy-duty, low-pressure tires, special gearing and suspension, and preheater for the engine to cope with the bitter negative 20 degrees Celsius were all added to the vehicle. It also ran on aviation fuel. But apart from that, it was pretty much standard. Patrick said, I'm reluctant to compare what I did to my grandfather, but it is quite something to be the first to do this in a, a, a wheeled vehicle. A lot of people thought I would never make it. So I wouldn't have thought a Hyundai would make it across Antarctica. Also, news from around the world. Cristiano Ronaldo wants fans respect after 100th Champions League goal. Real Madrid star Cristiano Ronaldo became the first player to score 100 goals in the Champions League when he netted a hat trick against Bayern Munich on Tuesday, then used the occasion to ask for more respect from the fans. So, interesting. You can go back and watch some of the highlights from the game. There's a lot of controversy surrounding uh, two of the calls the refs made, including one which they say Cristiano Ronaldo was at least one full meter offsides, and then he scored. So he, But he ended up getting... He's like at 103 goals now. So Chris Harper happens to be an expert in this uh, topic of uh, international football or soccer. Uh, Chris, did you see the highlights of his uh, 100th goal that that game? Yes, and he was offside. Yeah, was he, he offside for sure? He was a full yard offside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and that was pretty indisputable. Um, places around the world now are using like the Hyundai A League in Australia is using video technology on specifically on offside yes. goals and on a number of things and it's actually working fairly well yeah fifa is allowing for instant replay i believe on offsides yeah. and then the goal being in or out i believe are the things right. that they're able to use that for right and that there was also controversy on another call there uh a sending off right a, it should have been a sending off offense in yep. the box which would have um right. it would have uh, meant they would have played with only 10 players could have changed the whole 
right. trajectory of the game. The thing that caught my attention when you were mentioning that, because soon as as soon as I heard like soccer stuff, my ears perked. Oh up, yeah, you know. So, but the thing I was mentioning, the thing that you mentioned that brought, uh, that I thought was funny actually, is Cristiano Ronaldo demanding respect. He's one of the greatest players ever to play, and pretty much everyone you talk to says right. that. Yes. I don't know how much more respect a guy can get when everybody says you're one of the greatest players ever. Right, yeah. I think I the next know. level of respect would be a golden idol. Um, right. And then sometime during the day, someone right. blow a trumpet and everyone bow down. Short of that, he already has everyone's respect. Every, all the players say he's one of the best. Yeah. All the pundits say he's one of the best. I mean, there's very few people criticizing this guy. Does he want it to go down to zero and no one can criticize him ever? Yeah. It's a, yeah. That's a strange, yeah. strange one to be so paranoid that, uh, you know, after you score 100 goals, you're saying in the Champions League, which is very difficult, by right. the way, you're saying that you need more respect. I don't. I just don't see how he can get a whole lot more. So it's a funny. Yeah, he probably actually have one. slightly less now. For saying that. Right. People get it. Well, this is the, the the criticism that you see of him is not for his playing. It's because of his um, his arrogance and right. his attitude. And so I can see that people criticize him for that. But he's 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 reaffirming it here, isn't he, with his yeah. comments. So I hadn't heard that. I know Maybe he's competing with Zlatan for most arrogant player ever. Although Zlatan has has in his old age has really tamed yeah. and, and toned down. I mean, he started off very arrogant, but he's he's matured a lot. He plays for uh, Manchester United yep. now, yep. and at at thirty five years old, he is much more. Uh, you know, he talks about his teammates and his team and yep. all that. Whereas in his younger years. It was all about what Zlatan was going to do. And right, he would he talk about himself in third person Still like does. that. Yeah, Still yeah, does. yeah. Zlatan yeah. will do this. Zlatan yeah, you, will do that. You, yeah. It was like you don't have to. You don't have to uh, cage a lion. Or he would talk about himself in these crazy well, metaphors and similes. So yeah, he said I, I came to I came to France when he played for a PSG in France. I came to France as a king, but I leave as a god. Is what he oh said. no! What oh he said. no! So he, oh boy! You know, just crazy, crazy stuff like oh, that. Boy. Although he does it too, he knows that he's he's, like, he's playing the media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he differentiates himself by being arrogant. Yeah, unnecessarily. You know, it's almost satirical. Yeah, there's a little twinkle in his eye mm-hmm. when he does that. Stuff. Yeah, he Whereas smiles. Ronaldo gets angry. No, he. And I think he and, believes it about yes, himself. Yeah, yes, a yeah. little bit different. Right. That's probably why a lot of people really like Lionel Messi because he's a little more low-key about bragging about yeah. himself, you know? Yeah, he so. doesn't... You never hear any quotes from Lionel Messi. No, no, he's just, no. They're, they're, you don't know what he's saying. He's right. not saying yeah. anything. Right, 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 yeah. So, yeah. who knows? All right, well, hey, thanks for weighing in on that. I, I, I knew I, I knew to. that'd probably get I, your attention, boom, so... I came right over there here. There you go. Well, here's here's a sport that Chris knows nothing about. It's called Feral Jeppin. This is our touch of Dutch, our weekly touch of Dutch. You know, it's kind of like you ever buy a car. Like I, I drove a red Ford Ranger pickup stepside. And after I bought that vehicle, I noticed every time I pulled up to a stoplight or I was on the highway, and so I always noticed how many red Ford Ranger stepside pickups there were. Well, it's kind of that way with Dutch stuff now. Anything from the Netherlands, now I am coming across Dutch stuff every week. It just keeps popping up, 
We had a Dutch episode a couple weeks ago. Then we have some Dutch friends here on Guam, and now I just got Dutch on the brain. And so uh, this is my weekly touch of Dutch. Fjerljepen. Fjerljepen. A bizarre Dutch sport called Fjerljepen. Fjerljepen. The, I know all my any Dutch friends that I might have had before this might might not uh, this might be my one and only time to talk about this. But the aim is to sprint towards a pole, climb up as high as you can, and then try and jump off and land on the sandy island on the other side of the waterway. The pole can be between eight and thirteen meters tall and has a flat plate at the bottom to stop it from sinking into the mud. And it is a lot of fun to watch. I watched it on YouTube. It's spelled F I E R, so that's fear. L, so that's where the L comes from, and then J-E-P-P-E-N, Jeppen, Feral Jeppen. Hard to say, probably very hard to compete in, but uh, speaking of Dutch, Andre Ryu, Andre Leon Marie Nicholas Ryu, born October 1st, 1949, a Dutch violinist and conductor best known for creating the waltz playing Johann Strauss Orchestra. Together, they have turned classical and waltz music into worldwide concert touring acts, successful as successful as some of the biggest global pop and rock music acts. And uh, because he is Dutch um, in his ethnicity, I thought that I would just talk a little bit about this because I came across this song, a beautiful song, and it might initially sound familiar to you. If you are a horn player, maybe you've heard this before. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. This song is called The Silence. Il Silenzio. Instrumental piece with a small spoken Italian lyric in the middle. Notable first trumpet theme. Written in 1965 by trumpet player Nini Rosso. Its thematic melody is being an extension of the same Italian cavalry bugle call used by the Russian composer Tchaikovsky to open his Capriccio Italian uh, music, often mistaken for what song? That's correct. The U.S. military bugle call taps. This song, The Silence, Il Silencio, has become the instrumental standard that has sold around 10 million copies worldwide. It has been the number one hit in Italy, Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. It sold over 5 million copies by the end of 1967. Rosso was awarded a gold disc for that. On January 9, 1965, it reached number one position in Australia, stayed on the charts for 19 weeks. And in the UK, it peaked at number eight on the record retailer singles chart. United States, it reached number 32 in the Billboard Easy Listening Charts. Ill silencio but the thing that really got me thinking about it was i had seen something pop up on social media said this song was the song behind taps but it's actually not true so you cannot believe everything you read on the internet matter of fact the story of taps taps is a song that's played at many military funerals and things like that the 24 note melancholy bugle call known as taps is thought to be a revision of the french bugle signal called Tattoo. 
that notified soldiers to cease an evening's drinking and return to their garrisons. It was once sounded an hour before the final bugle call at the end of the day by extinguishing fires and lights. The last five measures of tattoo resemble taps. The word taps is an alteration of the obsolete word tattoo, derived from, again, the Dutch tap toe. Tap toe was the command. Tap toe mean to shut or to tap off the keg, to close the keg, stop drinking, get back to the garrison, get back to the barracks. Music was made the official army bugle call after the war, the Civil War, that is, but not given the name Taps until 1874. So this is a beautiful song, Il Silencio, but not the same as Taps. But many bugle songs have similar melodies to them. I just thought that was a beautiful song. And uh, this rendition was Andre Ryu, Dutch violinist and uh, orchestra director. And I thought uh, you might enjoy that pretty song. I'll let this play out. We'll take a short break and then we'll come back and wrap up live till five. few minutes of live till five i'm your host jared baldwin friday april 21st episode 212 almost completed here just want to take a minute and uh thank you for listening to these two hours of the show let me run one final idea by you here saw this article uh on mental floss actually i think it's mental floss but it was quoting a harvard business review and a Journal of Experimental Social Psychology article. Basically, the article is entitled, Want Something? Question mark. Asking in person is 34 more times effective than email. So people seem to fear face-to-face rejection and inconvenience of having to set up meetings and things like that. So what happens is people tend to send emails or texts instead of talking to someone and asking them for something in person. But according to this study, uh, there are they asked 45 different participants, 10 different questions, and um, they half of them sent the questions by email and half of them talked to people in person. And uh, it surprised everyone the answers. The responses actually were surprising to both the participants that used the email version versus the in-person version. They use the exact same wording. 34 times more likely to garner what you're asking for if you asked in person. Everyone is surprised that the email was not equally as effective, which kind of shows the shortcomings of where we've developed in our communication. That, yes, we have all these convenient ways to communicate, but they're not necessarily more effective. Now, there's a lot more research to be done on it, but the bottom line lesson, and this was just published April 12, 2017, um, Harvard Business Review, you can look it up. 
the bottom line is, if you want to know something or you have to talk to someone, you are so much better off going and just talking to them in person. Don't turn it into an email or a text unless that's the only way you can do it. It's a lot better to talk to people in person. It's uh, totally worth it. Now, asking you in person right now, if you don't have a church home, come visit us at Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning. We'd love to have you. 10.30 a.m. is our morning worship service, and this week I have the privilege of preaching. And so I don't get to do that every week, but this week I get to. I'd love for you to come and be my guest at Harvest Baptist Church, 10.30 a.m. Sunday morning. If you're listening to this Sunday night, maybe you can catch the the live stream rebroadcast on our website, hbcguam.net. You can catch our podcast of this show and many other great shows on khmg.org. But please come visit us at Harvest Baptist Church if you don't have a church home. If you do have a church home, be faithful to that. Go somewhere where they open God's word and they preach the truth from God's word, not man's opinion, not tradition, but what does the Bible have to say about it and read it for yourself. You'll be glad you did. And this is Live Till 5. We're wrapping up this two-hour broadcast on this Friday, April 21st. Glad you could be with us. You're listening on KHMG 88.1 FM, Barragata, Guam. Have a great weekend.